I'm looking at what we're going through personally as a Red Sea experience. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Sometimes I don't know how to react. Well, Moses went through this. And so the principles that I'm going to share with you in week two are very, very applicable to the situation that the world really is in. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today on the Solomon's Porch Podcast with Bible teacher Barry Borthistle. Barry has been a student of the Word his entire life. As a former pastor, he understands how to disciple people in the Bible. And as a successful business owner, he brings real-world issues into perspective through the lens of Scripture. Go to solomonsporchteaching.com for the notes from this episode. Now, welcome Barry Borthistle. Hello again, looking forward to our second podcast on this exciting subject of what the Bible has to say about pandemics and plagues and pestilence. Absolutely amazing what I have learned and how it's so applicable to today. If you have not heard the introduction to the podcast on week one, I would urge you to do it and just to repeat a little bit of it. Uh, it's uh, really very exciting information because we are living in very interesting days, life-changing, probably never to be the same again. I, we're getting loads of information, loads of suggestions, but my approach is a little bit different where I have been talking about what does the Bible say about pestilence, plagues, and it's absolutely fascinating. I know you're going to find it very interesting. Again, Refer to our webpage. All the notes of all the podcasts are on the web, and I do that so that you have the, the information. I can't give you all teaching, but you can do the research yourself. And the reason I do that is that I learned some time ago that when a person listens to a sermon or a speech of any kind, within about one hour, they lose or forget about 70% of what they heard. So that's why you've got the notes and you can come to your own conclusion. So week number two, what does the Bible teach about pestilence, plagues, and global pandemics? I want to quote from Joel Rosenberg, who said, while not every use of the words pestilence and plagues in the Bible refers to a terrible infectious disease, there are about 120 exa 127 examples in the Bible. Throughout the Bible, we see repeated example of, of God using diseases and plagues to accomplish his divine and sovereign purpose. There are also biblical prophecies that warn us that God intends to use terrible infectious diseases to accomplish his divine and sovereign purpose in the future. Joel Rosenberg, founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund. A good example to begin, and you, I'm not going to read all of this because you've got the notes, that's why you've got them, was to look at the story of Moses. And of course, uh, we all, most of us are familiar with the ten plagues. That God used plagues to free the children of Israel after 430 years of slavery. And, and uh, that's what happened, and that's how God uh, got the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. God, at the bottom of page one on week two notes, God is always the God of the second chance. 
God cannot stomach sin and disobedience, but he always responds to confession and obedience. On to page two. And I list four examples of how man's obedience can change the mind of God. Now, that's, that's quite a statement. And I'm going to let you study uh, the story of Noah, example number one. I'm going to let you study yourself, example number two, Moses and the Tabernacles. See, it, make, it makes it so much easier when you know because I don't have to talk as much. And then, of course, number three, the story of Jonah. And uh, Jonah was sent to the city of Nineveh, which, by the way, is the city of Mosul in Iraq today. At the time, it was one of the most prosperous cities in the then-known world. And the people were known for their terrible wickedness. And God wanted Jonah to go. He didn't want to go. But because he went, the entire city was safe. There's a great, great lesson. I want you to think about that. After Jonah finally obeyed, and Nineveh repented, including the king, God changed his mind and did not destroy the city, Jonah 3, 1 to 10. The one I want to concentrate on is the story of Moses and his Red Sea experience. Now, I'm looking at what we're going through personally as a Red Sea experience. Uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Sometimes I don't know how to react. Well, Moses went through this. And so the principles that I'm going to share with you in week two are very, very applicable to the situation that the world really is in. And so whether your Red Sea experience is financial, it could be health, it could be a marriage problem, it could be family or any other problems, the principle of the Red Sea experience with Moses is vital. Page three in your notes. How did Moses handle his Red Sea experience? The full story, of course, is found in Exodus chapter 3, verses 3 to 14. I encourage you to read it. Now, there's seven key points on how Moses faced his Red Sea experience. And these points, I believe, are certainly applicable to me and to most of us because I'm looking at this as a Red Sea experience uh, like most of us are. So seven key points. Number one. After the 10 plagues, Moses was free to lead about 1.5 to 2 million people after 43 years of slavery to freedom. The application to myself is, has the COVID-19 virus freed me up or you up in any way? For me, it's trusting God more. That's, that's what I'm coming out of. It. Number two, Moses followed God's preparation for the seven-day journey to the Red Sea by preparing unleavened bread. There's the scripture. The application there is, what new preparations are you and I going to make after this is over? Well, one of the ones that I'm gonna be very careful with, and I'll give you an example, is money. I've been blessed over the years of making good money and, and would spend money without really thinking about it. Well, my lawnmower broke this year. Well, under normal circumstances, I'd throw the lawnmower out buy a new one. But I said, no, I'm not going to do that. So I took it into a repair shop. And uh, instead of spending $500, I had to spend $100 on getting the lawnmower repaired. And it was interesting to me when I went in and had this done, the lady in the repair shop said, we have never seen people wanting their lawnmowers repaired like they are today. And she showed me a list. She says, I'm booked up for the next two weeks. 
Number three, after his freedom, what, where did Moses lead the people before crossing the Red Sea? Well, the best research is that it was near the modern day Suez Canal and God led them by night and day on their new journey. The application there, of course, is are you and I letting God lead us on our new journey? Because it is a new journey and it can be very exciting. Number four, before Moses crossed the Red Sea, he faced four new challenges. You might want to write down, what are your four challenges today? Well, for Moses, the Red Sea was in front of him. Remember, he had about 2.5 million people. So the Red Sea was in front of him. The mountains beside him, Pharaoh's army of 600 chariots now were coming after him again. His people were complaining, and they were afraid. Now, when you're a leader, that's a pretty big challenge. So what was Moses' response? Number five. His response was, as found in Exodus 14, there it is, three, four things. Fear not, stand still and wait. The Lord will fight for you. You should hold your peace. I'm going to repeat those. Fear not, stand still and wait. The Lord will fight for you. You should hold your peace. Now, I don't know about you, but that made me very, very excited about how the Lord can see us through a situation as serious as it may be. So the application there is light number four. How will, react, how will we react to the next crisis in our life after the COVID-19 pandemic is over? Number six, how big was the problem that Moses faced? Well, I think I have big problems today. You probably think you have big problems today. But let me tell you about Moses' problem. Number one, it had been calculated that at the point of crossing, the Red Sea was approximately 10 to 12 miles across. Now, it varies depending where you get your research. But it's a long way. Anywhere up 300, maybe as much as 500 feet deep. The path would have to be at least 3.5 miles wide for 2.5 million people to cross. Now remember, the Red Sea was in front of them. The mountains were beside them. The army was coming after them as people were afraid and uh, claiming, what a leader. Well, so when he uh, sought the Lord, number four, the walls of water were probably iced up. Exodus 15.8 gives the indication that uh, when, when the waves went up, uh, they were probably turned in, into ice. And how did that happen? Well, God said to Moses, hold up your rod, and I will take care of your enemies. I'll say that again, lift up your rod, and I will take care of your enemies. Now, a rod in the Old Testament means support for life. And there are at least 15 miracles in the Old Testament where God did a miracle when men held up the rod. Now, we don't have a rod today. So the application here is, where is your rod or what is your rod today? May I suggest that it is found in the Bible in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. Be sure to read this verse because here are the seven facts that are found in one single verse in the Bible. And I read this every day and I get very encouraged. Number one, God's word is alive. Number two, it is powerful. Number three, it is sharp. Number four, it is piercing. Number five, it divides joints and narrows. 
it divides thoughts. Number seven, it discerns the intent of the heart. That's how Moses planned and how he was able to lead 2.5 million people. Now, we can take those principles and apply them to us today. That's what I'm trying to do. Now, in the closing of, of this podcast, on page five and six, I'm not going to read all this to you, but I really encourage you to read this. Because this is from a summary of an article in the Wall Street Journal. Now, this is not the Bible. This is not a preacher saying this. This is an article in the Wall Street Journal. And the subject is, and I quote, Could COVID-19 be the beginning of the third great awakening? When I read that from the Wall Street Journal, I could hardly believe my eyes. And so... What, I've done, what I did here is under the historical context on page five, I talk a little bit about what the first great awakening was, and then I talk about the second great awakening was and the years and what happened and so forth. But now back to the Wall Street Journal, and I quote, Herbert Butterfield of Cambridge University, in choosing to make sense of World War II, decided to turn to the Bible for answers. He discovered that people turn to faith in a crisis. I believe that's happening today. With about 75% of the population in those days turning to faith. And the fact that it had such an impact in the United States that in 1954, the words under God were added to the Pledge of Allegiance in the United States, which is still today. We go on to say that the COVID-19 virus has wrecked the global economy in a way that, you know, it's just, it's, it's just really un, unbelievable. And then uh, to conclude the um, uh, summary from this article, who will save us now that the monster COVID-19 has broken free? The pandemic has humbled the country and really the world and opened up millions of eyes to this risky universe once more. First, and then now here's the, this is encouraging. This is very exciting. For societies founded on biblical tra- traditions, and ours was, pandemics need not make for the end. This is a call for repentance and revival. Did you hear that? Wall Street Journal. Great struggles can produce great clarity. Let me say that. Again, great struggles can produce great clarity. I really love that. And then I go on to give a little bit more teaching, and I'll let you go through this yourself, but this is not in the Wall Street Journal either, but here are seven examples from the Bible that uh, actually turned a a great uh, crisis into great clarity and produced new opportunities. There's Moses, there's Noah, I mean, you think of Noah building an ark, and it never rained. And God tells him to build an ark. What a stupid thing for God to say. And yet, uh, he obeyed God. Abraham and David and Elijah and the Apostle Paul, who wrote 50% of the New Testament, they're all very, very, very positive stories of what can happen, and that is what I want to do myself and encourages many many others to do it as well. So on page seven, as I wrap up this, the challenge from the Wall Street Journal, here is their challenge. Will man, shaken by the reality of a risky universe, 
rediscover the God who proclaimed himself to be sovereign over every catastrophe. God is saying to us today, my child, you are worrying too much. Remember who I am. There is nothing too hard for me. You may not see it, but I have everything planned out for you. Trust me. Amen. What a wonderful hope message. Nothing is impossible when God is on your side. Just ask Moses. Looking forward to podcast three, which is a fascinating story about King Solomon and then how King Solomon, God told him how to handle a pestilence. I did not know this was in the Bible, but I'm hugely encouraged by it and look forward to seeing you on week three. God bless. Thank you for joining us on Solomon's Porch. For notes from today's episode or to contact Barry, please go to solomonsporchteaching.com. That's solomonsporchteaching.com. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.